0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm pleased to have on as our guest, Christine Wynn. She's a COA MFTe Certified Associate Marriage and Family Therapist, currently working in Los Angeles. Prior to her current position at Pacific Marriage and Family Therapy Network, Christine has worked with diverse populations in research, community health, and nonprofit settings all across Southern California. She has lived in clinical experience with trauma, intergenerational and multi-generational families, race identity, anxiety, insomnia, and LGBTQ plus issues. She has served as a bilingual mental health educator, in-home crisis counselor, community outreach coordinator, and research assistant for the Vietnamese community. Today, we talk about the cultural, financial, and personal barriers to finding mental health care. Welcome, Christine. Welcome.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Josephine.
0: So I wanted to have you on because I do think it's important for us to discuss the work that you focus on, and that is working with immigrant families and cultural misunderstandings amongst individuals and their collectivistic families. And so I'm excited to have this conversation with you today.
1: Me too. Can't wait to get started.
0: Yeah. So I guess the question is, what type of client do you see and how do you provide your expertise to help them solve problems in their lives or move forward with conflict and all these things?
1: Sure. I love answering this because like I have my little elevator like speech just prepared, but I usually happen to get, of course, a lot of Asian clients because they see me as a woman of color and also, you know, someone from their same generation. A lot of my clients are in their late twenties to thirties. I've had a couple older, a couple younger, but that's typically what I see. And I am a first-generation Vietnamese-American woman. So that is something that, you know, people always are asking for. It's like, do you do intergenerational families? In which case, I mean, like, not just me, mom, dad, and sister, thats a nuclear family. I work with, like, you know, you have your mom's side of the family and your dad's side of the family. Grandma and grandpa are thrown in. There's a couple cousins. Everyone has a say in your life. What do we do with that? And that doesn't always have to just be Asian families. We have lots of families out there that look and feel like that. So that's one thing I work with I specialize in trauma so a lot of my work is trauma focused and I use a lot of motivational interviewing a lot of strengths-based approaches a um, lot of solution focused. so I'm always trying to see like what's going right it's going well and a lot of meaning making so it's like okay what does it mean to you that you've always been put in this role like what does it say about you if you stay with this situation does it mean that you will be considered strong does it make you weak to walk away like what does that say about you? What does it say about your situation? So a lot of that, very eclectic, um, just kind of pull in from whatever is effective, DBT, CBT for trauma, especially, but then just family systems in general to conceptualize. And I love working with, for some reason, insomnia and LGBTQ clients. Like that is the population I'm super excited to work with. Like I've been getting a couple here and there in inquiries. But yeah, definitely kind of a mixed bag. Lots of things kind of coming towards me at this moment.
0: Got it. Well, it sounds like you've got a lot of different specialties, which is great. So talking about kind of your experience being first generation and the work Mm -hmm. that you do with clients, I guess one question to start off with is to ask, what are the typical reasons why someone might come into therapy to see you specifically?
1: I love that question because what people have usually told me is like, I feel like I'm too much. And that doesn't just apply with Asian families where it's very common to have someone who's Americanized and very individualistic being considered too much for the collective. They're like, why are you so selfish? Why can't you just get with the program? Like why do you have to have these dreams and desires and needs that are like just so not anything we've ever had to deal with. And so they're like, I feel too much for my family. Or I feel like I'm too much for my friends even. Cause if it's a family where there's a trauma history like let's say a, from a war-torn country, like you come from the Vietnam War or your family had to be refugees from another country. That's a lot to discuss. And then sometimes like, let's say, put aside the war aspect, let's just say you come from a family with a lot of abuse, not even just Asian American, but just you have someone that has an arrest record. You have uncles that have committed atrocious things to you or to other family members. How do you talk about that without bumming out the person you're talking to? How do you talk about with other people who have their own traumas? And they tell you you're too much because they don't have experience with what you went through. The most common thing I hear my clients ask me is like, do you understand what it's like to be from a background that's like really hard to talk about that cultural aspect? And then also the trauma aspect. And then the second thing they would usually ask me is like, as a person of color, like, do you understand my identity, race and identity? Like, what does that mean to you? How do you navigate being queer, but also Asian and also from a traditional family? Like- all, all sorts of stuff. So race identity. And yeah, I think, I think I hope answered your question. I got a long
0: spiel there. Yeah. It all kind of blends together in terms of the work that you do. I guess my question is in your training, when you were going through your graduate program, is there training on this in terms of how (laughs) to approach these populations?
1: A little bit. So nothing specific to culture. It's like in our culture diversity class, they're of course telling you, like be aware of the different cultures out there and the different religious groups, intersectionalities out there, but there's not necessarily like a modality. You just apply what's already there. Mm. So family systems, intergenerational, Abilenean, that's what I lean towards because that is something that ap- approaches the collectivistic cultures I know, but you know, same modalities apply to everyone else. Right how do you move through therapy
0: with somebody Mm -hmm. saying, kind of thinking about this typical discussion of people think I'm too much? Mm -hmm. How do you actually think about going through a case and helping someone? What is the goal in that instance?
1: It depends on how they present. So sometimes let's, there's two different ones I usually see. Either I'm too much, but isn't that funny? And they're like kind of laughing it off and they're like, oh yeah, you know, they used to do this insert horrific thing that they've just kind of minimized and normalized. And they're like, but hey, that's fine. And they're laughing and joking about it. If it's someone who presents like that, I'm usually like, you know, you don't have to make yourself palatable to me. I know you're used to probably having to downplay it or you have to make it entertaining or amusing so it doesn't overwhelm the other speaker. And I know you usually don't talk about how upsetting it might've been for you in that moment. But with me, like you can be as intense as you want. Like it's never gonna be too much for me. Nothing you say to me will be too much for me to handle or I'm not going to get that like slack jawed look on my face. of like, oh my God, how did you go through that? What, what happened to you? Like, that's never going to be my response. And so normalizing it for them, allowing them to like drop their guard, allowing them to not have to be the caretaker in that moment or the funny one or the one who doesn't let it bother them. That's what I usually try to do because then that leads to acceptance of like, oh yeah, I did go through something really messed up. And then the other one where they're just very, very down. They're like, you know, I feel like I'm too much. I feel like my life's too much. I feel like I'm very helpless. Then that's an empowerment kind of piece where I'm like, okay, you know, that was a lot to go through, but clearly you're here. Clearly you survive. Clearly you care enough to like go through the efforts of researching a therapist and finding a therapist and interviewing therapists. And here you are sitting with me every week paying money. That takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of work and clearly you must care about yourself and, clearly you must feel this is worth the work and effort you're putting in. And they're like, I guess so. Maybe. And then we kind of, we kind of keep going there, but like a lot of empowerment, a lot of reinforcing. So that's that's like two ways I work. I know these are
0: hard questions because we're not talking about something specific. We're talking about kind of your general approach to things. The other question I'm wondering is why do you think it's important to have this sort of if there is someone who is interested in therapy, who is first generation, mm-hmm. having someone one who shares the same identity as they do as a therapist.
1: Oh my gosh. I, I don't want to do a discredit or disservice to other therapists who aren't first generation, who don't have their cultural background. Cause I've seen therapists do really good work like that. But I think the advantage is like, do you know the right questions to ask? Like, for example, I would have a client who let's say is from a Vietnamese background I know exactly what that means in terms of what you can and cannot say and can and cannot do. Other therapists who might not have the same background have a really good insight of like, oh, why why don't we try this? And they're like, I've never even thought about that before. That's not even a thought in my mind. We haven't even considered doing that, Mm -hmm. but it's not applicable. They're like, oh, it'd be interesting if I just told my parents, like, let me move out my own and just stop Mm -hmm. caring so much. But that's not something that I can actually put into practice, even though it's a nice thought. Versus I might ask them, you know, you know, that does sound really tough. What about your aunt? I know your aunt's the one in the family who usually has more sway over your mom and dad. And she's a parentified one and grandma and grandpa see her in a good light. What if we go to her instead of just telling your parents to let you do whatever you want? How do we appeal to the system that already is in play? And that's a little bit more workable because they're like, oh, yeah, that actually could work. That's practical and applicable. So that's probably the draw of having a therapist who is your same cultural background.
0: Did you know that this is the population you wanted to
1: focus on as a clinician? Not necessarily. Like I kind of came from a community mental health background. So the major shift into private practice is like you have to be able to work with anyone in community mm-hmm. mental health. They just give you someone and you have to figure it out. And I loved that, but I didn't know until I went into private practice that like, oh, I get to specialize. And I didn't immediately think like first-generation American immigrants. So it kind of found me, it was a happy accident. I played to my strength of like, you know, I guess I do have lived experience with this. Does that count for clinical experience? Mm-hmm. And my supervisor was like, Yeah, sometimes that's just as important, if not more important, than what you read in a book or done in the training.
0: Huh. And I'm sure you see that you just don't see first generation immigrants as your clients. Yeah. You have a wide range, but mm-hmm. it's something Definitely. that kind of there is this lived experience that you're able to bring into your therapy session with with individuals. Right. Absolutely. And
1: they tend to seek me out. So I'm like, okay, they happen to come and they happen to be first generation. So that's the majority that I see, but other people have found me who aren't Asian and aren't first generation and aren't like going to these family issues. So it's a happy balance. Right,
0: right. Right. I often wonder when you're talking about this, how, I wonder how helpful mm-hmm. groups are. Have you ever thought mm-hmm. about groups or know about groups for <laughs> these clusters that might be helpful?
1: Ah, that's a really interesting question. I haven't given thought to it in clinical terms. I know like there's, for example, UVSA, it's like a Vietnamese association for students. And like a lot of the issues I'm talking about, they're able to find in college and in undergrad and even their master's program. People who relate to that understand that and like they can celebrate that. But I've never explored like literally a support group for people who've gone through those specific cultural traumas. It feels like the social aspect of it might be helping, but I don't think there's one out there yet that exists just for the clinical aspect of it. So that'd be interesting to explore in the future just
0: curious. I love just kind of hearing about, cause part of this podcast is also for the listener to get a sense of, you know, they're wondering about therapy and wondering if a certain therapist mm-hmm. might be helpful for them or, sure. you know, I, I hope this podcast is helpful maybe for someone who's listening, who might be a first generation immigrant who mm-hmm. is wondering about, you know, how could therapy be helpful to me? And how do I think about finding a therapist that works well with me? Any kind of suggestions on where to look and I'll make sure we have your information. So people. Yeah learn about you, but information on kind of where people can look if they're interested in
1: this and kind of what to look for in a therapist. Sure. Oh, I get so passionate about this. Cause that's like half my calls is just like, okay, I might not be the right fit for you. How can I find someone who's a good fit? So the first thing I want to tell people out there is like, it's many tiers of therapy that are available to you. It's not just me. It's not just like someone in a certain price point. Like there's different levels depending on what you're looking for. So I used to work as a case manager in Orange County for community mental health. And my main job was looking for those resources. So I can tell you that I used to use something called 211oc.org. And that's like their hotline that you call and they give you all the resources. What a lot of people don't know is you can also go online and just do it yourself. They have a search engine and it's like Google, but for nonprofits Hmm. and it's resources across the board, not just mental health, but like for food and housing and like legal services and all that stuff. So that's the first thing I would say is like, there are nonprofits out there with grants, like the government has sanctioned this and set this money aside to help people with these issues. So people would think therapy is like $200 a pop. And that's the only thing there is like, that's not true. There's literally free community mental health. It's usually more short-term. It's like about like eight to 12 sessions are free, completely free. And they specialize in those core issues. So for example, the previous site that I was working at, Strength United, They specialized in domestic violence, sexual assault, molestation. That was all they focused on. And so they know from top to bottom what a survivor would need. And it's like a one-stop shop for that. So if you are looking for something that's just a specific issue and you want to kind of get a head start and see like where those eight to 12 sessions go, nonprofits are a great option to explore. Hmm. There's another organization I love, and I actually have personally used it when I was going through grad school. They're called Open Pathways Collective. And I'll actually give you the link too after this. What they do is they are also a directory. You pay a one-time $60 subscription fee and it gives you lifetime access. If you meet like the qualifications, usually it's like if you're going through a hard time, you can't afford the standard 120 to 250 market price for a therapist. Their therapists are, they agree to the sliding scale of 30 dollars to $60 for an individual session. Or I think it was 80 for couples and family sessions which is significantly more affordable. Mm. So you go on there, once they approve you and you have access to that, you can actually search specific things you're looking for. Like I want Asian female therapist who does this modality and specializes in this, in this area. It's wonderful. I think it works for OC and LA County. I'm not sure if it does like NorCal, but we can always give it a shot. So that's another option. It's like, that's more like mid-range. It's like, okay, I can't afford the free clinics or maybe my issues are too specific. Let me try these other therapists who are more private practice. And then above that, so let's say you have insurance. Another really helpful tip is going to this other organization that reached out to me and I really love them. They're called Rise Above the Disorder. They're a nonprofit that is specifically meant to help you navigate your insurance and link you to mental health. There are no qualifications. You can be anywhere on earth. Literally, it's international. There are no income requirements. There's no citizenship requirements or status requirements. Anyone can apply. You interview them and a case manager reaches out to you and they help you navigate your insurance if you have it and interview therapists on your behalf. It's great. Like they interview you, they see what your style is and then they go out and they're like, okay, let me interview and collect therapists to send your way. And they narrow down the search for you. If you don't have insurance, another wonderful thing they do that they personally told me was they have grants. There's three kinds that you can apply for it. And it depends on your situation. Sometimes it's a very serious situation where you're like, therapy would make a huge impact on my life. One grant helps you split the costs of therapy. One grant pays for therapy completely for six months. And that's for like pretty extreme cases of substantial hardship. And then the other one will support you until you get to a job. And when your employer offers you insurance for you to get mental health services but they're wonderful. I've been reached out to as one of the therapists they were interviewing on behalf of one of their clients. So that's how I know of them. Mm -hmm. And they were like just very randomly discovered by Imagine Dragons. They started out as a nonprofit by gamers for gamers to get mental health services Were discovered by Imagine Dragons, got huge boost. And now they're like a pretty big organization. But yeah, those are the resources I would give to other people if they're like a different tiers of I want help, but I don't know how to get it. There's free resources for specific issues, mid-range resources for sliding scale. And then if you have insurance and you can't afford it, but you don't know how to navigate, there's Rise Above the Disorder to help you look for it and interview for it.
0: Right, and find really the best match for you.
1: Exactly, because sometimes like if you're really depressed, like it's not a friendly system to look for help when you're feeling like especially manic or especially in need of help. That's when you can't even get out of bed. Like how am I supposed to find an interview with therapist if I can't even... Shower if I can't even brush my teeth today. That's what they're for. And I'm like, mental health is so accessible. We just don't know. A lot of people don't know the work that goes into interviewing a therapist and researching them and calling them and not getting an answer and emailing back and doing all this. Da 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 da. And they get discouraged and they give up. So that's my advice for people out there. Like, I'm more than happy if anyone ever wants to reach out to me to answer those kinds of questions and see where I can direct you. But it's accessible. It's not only people who are $200 an hour not in network and you're like just stuck. It's like, there's people out there willing to help you too. You just need to know where to look. Exactly. And there are places to look. People just don't know.
0: Well, those are really amazing resources. I'm glad I actually didn't know about them. So I'm glad that I know about them now too. And we'll make yeah. sure they're on the episode description. I was going to ask mean before we end any last words to the listener, but you kind of already gave this idea that mm-hmm. care is out there. If you just need help finding it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I thought this was a really helpful conversation to think about how you work with certain populations and first-generation immigrants and some of the issues that come up and how you think about them. But any last words before
1: we say goodbye? No, just, you know, you're doing more than you think you are. You're doing wonderful. Just hang in there. Like If you're listening to this and you're considering therapy, just considering it is already a huge step. Knowing and accepting that something needs to change, that's another step, but that's the next one. And there's help to take that step. And then all the steps afterwards. Yeah.
0: Keep keep going. Way to end. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Take care. Bye, everyone. This has been Mind Stories. With remote appointments in California and nine offices throughout Southern California and the Bay Area, Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, mood and anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more to help you get back to your true self. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories, and don't forget to subscribe.